0: All right, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 12. The message entitled, The Enemy and Warfare, Satan and His Angels. And this will be part one. Well, Paul has given to the believer the purpose of the command to be strong in the Lord and to put on the whole armor of God. It's to be victorious in the warfare characterized by three things as we saw last time in verse 11. The ability for victory in warfare that you may be able to stand. The intensity in the warfare against the wiles, the stratagems of, of the devil, which is the adversary in the warfare. And Paul has identified <clears throat> the true enemy of God and the believer, the devil, Satan. So he progresses his... Um, purpose in being strong in the Lord and putting on the whole armor of God, because the warfare is spiritual in nature. It's not physical. Literally, we do not wrestle against blood and flesh. If, if we can just do that, then we probably feel more confident. But it's not like getting in a hassle or rumble with someone in the physical form. That would be a lot easier. You just pick up a bigger stick or something. But uh, it's not in the flesh. Spiritual warfare is not directly against human beings of blood and flesh, though Satan will use human beings at times indirectly to oppose, attack, and hinder us in the spiritual warfare. The word wrestle there means um, wrestling as a contest between two in which um, each endeavored to throw the other. Anytime you've seen people wrestle, that's what they're trying to do. And which is decided when the victor in those days is able to hold the oppressed, the opponent down with his hands upon his neck. In Greek wrestling, the loser had his eyes gouged out. Which is a beautiful metaphor for the day because that's what Satan does. He blinds us. That's his whole goal, to blind you to the will of God, to the word of God, to the direction of God. The spiritual warfare is against the word of God, as we've seen. To hinder sinners from being saved through the gospel, Paul says in uh Second Corinthians four four uh whose mind uh who minds the Um, whose mind the God of this age Satan has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them so every time the gospel goes forth Satan is there to hinder that from the non-believer we have the peril of the sower the sower went out to sow seeds some fell by the wayside that's the only one that didn't take hold the other three did but two of the three walk away the hardness of the heart. But also to hinder believers from obeying the word of God. Uh, in Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, as we've seen, it, it said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down the strongholds, casting down air- arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself, listen, against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when Satan attacks you and myself, it's sometimes through people, but not always through people. But it's always against the knowledge of God. To doubt God's word, we've seen already. We're not going to go over stuff like that back in Genesis. To to doubt God, to doubt God's word, to to question it, to to think you can do without it. Then Paul identified the the various orders here in verse twelve, the ranks and diverse authorities of these angels that follow Satan and. His rebellion against God in heaven. He says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These forces vary in rank and authority. The subdivisions are in both good and bad angels. We've already seen these same terms some of them in chapter 1 verse 20 and 21 for good angels because remember satan's angels are just duplicating what was in heaven but on the evil side because we've seen that they rebelled in heaven we're going to look at some of those things tonight too principalities means first ones preeminent ones leaders Powers means authorities. Rulers refers to the worldly power in the darkness of evil. Host of wickedness, Panaria, are wicked, pernicious, and malicious spirit forces whose purpose, intent, and desire is evil. These are, can be seen like private corporals, lance corporals, sergeants, Staff sergeants. Sergeant majors. Different ranks and levels. Notice the location of their evil activity is in the heavenly. The spatial realm of the unseen world. Of spiritual reality. In the lower atmosphere that is active and supreme over all the earth below. They dwell in this earth. Beneath. The third heaven of God. In the atmosphere that man dwells in. Invisible, right? Not tonight. There are good angels and bad angels fighting here. We can't see them. But there's warfare going on. We will see some activity of angels tonight. And so, having said this, to get a better understanding about the fallen angels... In the spiritual warfare, we want to first look at the faithful and the good angels that are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, you and I. We want to get first understand who is for us before we look into who's against us. And we want to do a threefold lens. We want to look at the origin of angels, the nature of angels, and the various classes of angels but on the good side, because that's where it all begins. Let's begin with the origin of angels. Angels are not eternal. They had a beginning. The angels were created by God. Listen to Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host, host is angels, the host of them by the breath of his mouth. God has created all the angels. The angels had to have been created before the creation of the heavens, And the earth, Psalm 148, 2 and 5 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord Yahweh, for he commanded and they were created. They were there on the day that God created everything. The angels are included as part of God's creation. The book of Nehemiah 9.6, it says, You alone are the Lord Yahweh. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens, and all their host angels. The number of angels is innumerable. You Remember studying the book of Daniel, Daniel 7.10. Daniel tells us, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. The Father. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels are burning fire. The fiery streams issued and came forth from before him. And thousands, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times, ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Whoa. Lot of angels. Jesus said, or do you not think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels in Matthew twenty-six fifty-three, Remember, Peter drew up the sword. <laughs> A Roman legion during Augustus time was 6,100 foot soldiers, 726 horsemen, making it 81,912 angels. That's what the father could have given Jesus to wipe out the cross <laughs> and all the centurions there. But he didn't because he knew he had to pay the price for you and I. The author to the Hebrews calls them innumerable company, meaning 10,000 times 10,000, which would be 100 million, in other words, without number, Hebrews twelve twenty two. Paul puts it this way to the Colossians. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions and principalities and powers. Here's these these names again, these titles. All things were created through him and for him. So there is nothing that ever existed in the earth or is existing or will exist that God has not created it. He is the only thing that is e eternal, meaning he had no beginning. Now, you and I are eternal as a consequence that he created us because we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. The non-believer is going to spend eternity separated from him. Okay? Many times people say, well, I don't know if I want to live for eternity. You don't have any choice. All you can do is choose whether you want to spend it um, in heaven or hell. It's the only choice you have. Now, the mention of angels in the scriptures are many. The word angel means messenger, envoy, a representative both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. The word appears 326 times from Genesis to Revelation 101 in the singular and 17 in the plural in the Old Testament, 112 in the singular. And 86 in the plural in the New Testament. Angel, angels. And we read this over and over and over again. The books that have the word angel more than any other in both testaments are interesting. In the Old Testament is the book of Judges. 22 times in the singular. This should be no surprise since angels do God's um, bidding to help man. The book of Judges. Every man doing what is right in their own eyes. Then they repent and call upon God. The book of Judges is the record of anarchy, bondage, as men called on Yahweh to deliver them. In the New Testament, it is the book of Revelation, 53 times in the singular, 23 times in the plural. This, again, is appropriate as it is the unveiling of Christ as the glorified Messiah who is worshipped by angels. Read chapter 4 and 5. <laughs> the throne of God. The book of Revelation is the record of God's wrath poured out on the earth from the throne of God by angels. The seals, the trumpets, the bowls by the hands of angels. Now the word host, is used often for angels. The word appears many times in the Old Testament uh, for angels. Uh, The one in command of the angels is the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. That title, don't ever forget it. When it's used, God is going to wipe somebody out. And he's never lost a battle. The phrase appears in the Old Testament very frequently in the book that contains the phrase, the most numerous, are the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah. For it was the captain of the armies of heaven who was fighting against them, his own people. He was fighting against the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Under the wrath of God, under the hand of Assyria, under the wrath of God, in judgment under the hand of Babylon. Jeremiah, in the phrase, the Lord of hosts, appears six times, but Lord of hosts, 58 times. So, five times in the Bible, angels are called sons of God. Genesis 6, 2 and 4. In Job chapter 1, verse 6 and 2, 1 and thirty eight seven, five five times, the sons of God. There is um, a special title, the angel of the Lord with all capital letters, Lord Yahweh, which is found many times in the Old Testament, but it is a reference to the pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ prior to the incarnation. And you find it throughout the Old Testament. Now, John puts it this way in the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. John 1, verse 1 through 3. Everything, including the angels. So this is what the Bible teaches about the origin of, of angels. You'll hear a lot of other things from extra-biblical sources, from mythology, from um, you know, religious books and all kinds of stuff, but it has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches. The Bible is objective truth. It's not speculation. It's not an opinion, but absolute truth that God makes known to mankind. Second is the nature of angels. Angels are not glorified men, but distinct from man. Jesus said they are immortal. Listen to Matthew twenty-two thirty: 30. For in the resurrection they, man, uh, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven, not made for marriage. So when men and women are resurrected, we're not going to be married in heaven. Now, some people get bummed out about that. Some people get happy. But listen, if you've had fun here being married, it's going to be a lot better there. Not because you're not married, but because it's going to be completely different and superior to it. The lesson from the lesser to the greater. Hebrews 2, 5 says, For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. He subjected the world to the church and in the millennia to Israel, not angels. Man was made a little lower than the angels. In Hebrews two seven, it says, quoting Psalm 8, verse 4 through 6, in fact, in Hebrews twelve, twenty-two and twenty-three says, "But you have come to Mount Zion, into the city of the Living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the Judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect." So there is a great distinction between angels and mankind. Angels are spirit beings alone. Angels have no physical bodies or form. It says, Who made his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire, Psalm 104.4. Yet they are described with certain physical features at times in the scriptures, such as having wings, feet, And faces. And that's for our benefit. For whatever that may be. But they're spirit beings primarily. In other words they're described to us but we can't see them. The author to the Hebrews quoting this psalm adds, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will Inherit salvation hebrews one fourteen so angels do god's bidding to help us, the believer, okay now i've never seen an angel I don 't know that an angel's ever helped me, but studying the scriptures, they probably have. I just haven't been aware of it, okay, in fact, we're told, beware lest you have un- entertained angels unaware. The book of Hebrews says so the angels of God, as part of their creative responsibility, is to do God's bidding in the service of God towards you and I. Now, angels appeared to Jacob in a dream at Bethel as he fled from his brother Esau, if you remember. Uh, Psalm one hundred three twenty one says 21 says, um, I'm sorry, Genesis 28, 12 verse it says, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And God allowed them to see it. The psalmist describes, Blessed, Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, angels, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Psalm 103, 21. As you know, last week we saw the same Tempting Jesus to cast himself from the pinnacle of the temple, misquoted the scriptures about angels. Satan said to Jesus, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. In Luke 4.10, quoting Psalm 91, 11 and 12. Jesus responded, you shall not tempt the Lord Yahweh your God. In Luke 4.12, angels served Jesus. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild bees, and the angels ministered to him. Angels, though they have no physical bodies, they have often appeared to man in bodily form, appearing at will. Angels appeared to Abraham, as you remember, in Genesis 18 and 19, then to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. By the way, one of those angels was the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Read when he's talking to Abraham. The angel of the Lord encamped all around those who fear him and delivers them. Psalm 34, 7. That's why I'm taking time because it's a spiritual warfare and you and I need to understand we not only have Jesus Christ making an intercession for us to empower us and to direct and guide us to protect us in the Holy Spirit, but he has in charge his angels for this warfare. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep, Zechariah 4.1. So some of the prophets that we study, angels revealed the things of God to them. They were conversing them back and forth. Matthew 1.20 says, But while the, he thought, meaning Joseph, about these things, about Mary's pregnancy, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. An angel was discharged to do that. Some have entertained angels unaware, as I said, in Hebrews 13 too. Now, angels are not to be worshipped. There's a lot of angel worship that goes on in religions. Um, um, you know, Santana, he, he, he worships all kinds of angels. Carlos Santana, he's into the cult, the cult of angel worship and everything. A lot of people are The first tablet of the Ten Commandments, God says this in Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5. You shall not... You shall uh, have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation to those who hate me. So there is nothing that we are to make likeness of whether we get some kind of description of the Scriptures or whether we use our own imagination to represent anything in heaven, beneath the heavens, under the waters, or anything else, to worship. No physical likeness. God is a Spirit. Those who worship Him in the Spirit and the truth. Paul warns the Colossians in Colossians 2.18, Let no one cheat you of your reward. Listen carefully. Taking the light and false humility and worship of angels, including... Or intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Next week we'll get into the demons, the false angels, the bad angels, that do appear to deceive people. John puts it this way in Revelation 19.10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. Remember John in Revelation, an angel's giving him all this stuff? Okay. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and you, your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do not worship me, the angel says to John. Simple. Angels are a company of God's creation, not a race. They are innumerable, as we have stated. Then Micaiah you remember, said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing at his right hand and his left. Second Chronicles 18.18 18. God opened the eyes of men to see the throne of God, to see angels, to speak with angels. Jesus said angels rejoice over the salvation of men listen to Luke 15:10 Likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents Now remember this is the final statement uh, of the lost lost sheep the lost coin and then the climax is the prodigal that who was never born again never saved he was lost when he left he came back saved so, do not use the prodigal son for your son or your daughter who has been walking with God and now has gone back into the world. That's not a prodigal. You and I were a prodigal. We were lost and we got saved. That's the context. And people use the prodigal because of Calvinism, eternal security. You get an F on both of those subjects. Okay? You fail, it's wrong. Now, Jesus said, angels will be witnesses to the, um, to the denial of sinners who enter heaven. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Luke twelve nine. Wow. They neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor do they die. Luke 20, 24 through 26 says. Now angels will be involved in the regathering of the Jews at the end of the tribulation. In Mark thirteen twenty-seven, and when he will send his angels and gather together his elect, his elect in the context of the Jew, from the four corners or the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. The appearance of every angel is in the masculine form, by the way, never feminine, now, mythology has a name for female angels that are called Succupus. But the Bible never has a woman angel. The Bible is not politically correct. God is not intimidated. Every time angels appear in the scriptures, they're always masculine, not feminine. Okay. The angels of God cannot be saved or redeemed. Hebrews two sixteen says, because they're not creating the image and likeness of God. You and I are. They're ministering spirit beings to serve God and the believer. They're not creating the image of God or the likeness of God. Now, angels are greater than man in knowledge, though they are not omniscient. They're not all knowing. They're created beings, right? Only God is omniscient. The woman who came before David to plead for Absalom said this, listen, to bring about this change of affairs, your servant Jacob or Joab has done this thing, but my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know everything that is in the earth. Second Samuel fourteen twenty. So they are wise. They're wiser than us. They have more knowledge, but they're not all-knowing. Gabriel came to give Daniel understanding about the 70th week of Daniel. Listen to Daniel nine twenty three. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. The angel gave it to Daniel. Paul charges Timothy before angels. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Wow, elect angels. Does that mean that God predestined some to be faithful and predestined others to be unfaithful? (laughs) If you're a Calvinist, I'll give you a migraine. That you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. 1 Timothy 5.21 He charges you before the elect angels, those that have authority, those that have great privilege. Though Peter tells us that the angels intently stoop down to see the next things of God will do in His church. You realize that some angels, the, the angels don't know everything in the future. So they're stooping down, looking down to the church to see how God's unfolding this. They, can't, they don't know what's going to happen a minute from now. Okay? They're looking at it, like, like watching a movie. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 1.12. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through these, through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Stoop down and look. Like when you're looking for a lost coin, you stoop down, you're looking intently to find out. That's what the word is. Angels are stronger than man, but not omnipotent, all powerful like God. They're limited. It says, and it came to pass at a certain night that an angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people rose early in the morning, there were the corpse all dead. Second Kings 1935. One angel, 185,000 frontline Syrian troops. Bad dudes, but not all powerful. But much more powerful than you and I. Psalm 103:20 says bless the lord you his angels who excel in strength who do his word heeding the voice of his word you remember Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 28, spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words, meaning himself, and yielded their bodies, and they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. That's when he delivered them from the fire, Remember? Peter and others were delivered from prison by an angel. But at the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison door and brought them out and said... Remember, Peter thought he was having a dream or something. Then he came to himself when he passed the gate. He realized that an angel had delivered him. Acts 5.19 Peter later was delivered again. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Acts five nineteen and twelve seven. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Acts 12, 23. Wow. Paul says to the Thessalonians, since it is a righteous thing that God to repay with tribulation, those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, second Thessalonians chapter one, verse six and seven. Paul puts it this way. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might, do not bring a railing accusation against them before the Lord, Second 2 Peter 2.11. Greater and more powerful than us. Billy Graham shares in his book, Angels, Angels. He says about, tells about some missionaries that were going to be killed one night by the uh, natives. And as they were aware of this, They prayed fervently. When the natives approached the house, they were in awe of the giants guarding their home. Not till years later, when some of the leaders were saved, did they relate the story of the missionaries after their conversion. And God has done many incredible things through angels. As he uses his church to serve him. This is what the Bible teaches about the nature of angels. All these things that we've read. Now, there are various classes of angels. There are regular angels. Good angels serve God and are faithful and loyal to him. This is the ones that we're looking at tonight. There are bad angels who serve Satan and are faithful and loyal to him. We'll get into them next week. The division of bad and good angels came at the fall as we saw last time, as he rebelled, and one third of them followed. We saw in Isaiah 14:12 through 14, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 18, the record of Satan's rebellion. Uh, They're found in those two books. Satan led one third. Uh, His his tale drew a third of them. Revelation 12.4 tells us. The bad angels of darkness um, are bound. There's two categories, bound and loose. The bad angels of darkness that are bound are are stated um, in two categories. Those permanently in chains in what's called Tartarus for leaving their proper domain or estate, and it's recorded for us in 2 Peter 2, 4 and in Jude verse 6. There's only one chapter to Jude. And then there are those temporarily bound. So the first one are permanently, these are temporarily bound in the bottomless pit, loosed in the Great Tribulation, in Revelation 9:2 and 14. The bad angels of darkness that are loose Also, pointed out, fall under two categories. Those demons that seem to possess people that we'll see next week. Unbelievers, never believers. Demons are fallen angels. That's all they are. Then the evil spirits that seem to influence people. These don't need to, uh, seem not to need to possess a body. They're just roaming spirits. His kingdom is described as the kingdom of wicked spirits here in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. John tells us that many spirits have gone out into the world, the cosmos worldly system in 1 John 4.1. There are subdivisions in both good and bad angels. We pointed out the beginning in Ephesians 1, 20 and 21 and six twelve. The same titles are used for good and bad. Principalities, which again means the first ones, the leaders, preeminent ones. Power, again, authorities. And um, the rulers of darkness of this evil, dark system and world that we live under. Wicked spirits, pernicious. Concerning evil, they, they love The evil and to make people evil. Again, we might look at these as privates, corporals, lance corporals, so on and so forth. Different ranks. So these ranks exist in heaven and also in the kingdom of Satan because they all were in heaven at one time. Then there are what's called cherubim. The first time cherubim appear is in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.24. It says, So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The word cherubim there, its root is uncertain, but it's believed to mean the cover or to guard. And the first appearance would certainly give credence to this meaning because he was guarding the way to the garden, lest Adam come in again in a fallen state, partake of the tree of life, and then live eternally in a fallen state, then God would not be able to redeem. So he guarded the tree until the time when Jesus died on the tree. Now we can partake of that tree to be redeemed. So God's goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness. Psalm 8 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel... You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth, Psalm 81. Now, if you remember the mercy seat in the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, two cherubim, the wings crossed, looking down, and God dwell between the cherubim, right? The glory of the Lord on the Day of Atonement. The singular is cherub, and the plural form is cherubim. Anytime you have a Hebrew word ending in an I-M- it's plural. Cherub, singular. Cherubim, plural. Seraph, which we'll look at next, is singular. Seraphim is plural. And so that's the distinction between them. So the cherubim also appear on the top of the mercy seat, as I said, in Exodus twenty-five nineteen through 20. Um, one on each end, again looking down. And... Um, it says, And the cherub shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat and their wings, and they shall face one another. The face of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. They once again seem to be guarding the place of God's throne where he would meet the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, being associated with Yahweh's justice in math there in Exodus twenty-five, twenty-two, Cherubim were placed on the curtain of the tabernacle also inside a representation of heaven in Exodus 26. Moreover, you shall make tabernacle and ten curtains, fine woolen linen and blue, purple, and scarlet threads with artistic designs of cherubim. You shall weave them. Only the priests saw those. The normal person never saw those. Only the priest that went in to do service and the high priests. No one else ever saw the inside of the tabernacle. Cherubim were also found on the veil of the tabernacle to divide the holy place from the most holy in Exodus twenty six thirty one. It says, you shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, scarlet, red, and fine wo- wo- uh, woven linen. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. And so, cherubim were also placed in the temple of Solomon after the pattern that was given to him. The two-winged cherubim are seen in the tabernacle of mercy seat, as we've seen, and you have them also in the tabernacle, uh, in in the temple in 1 Kings 6.24. It says, one wing of the cherubim was five cubits. A cubit is From the middle finger to the elbow, about 18 inches. That's the biblical cubit. There's different cubits, 18, so a foot and a half. Five cubits would be seven and a half feet, one wing. And the other wing of the cherub, five cubits, 10 cubits from tip to tip, 15 feet, one wing to the tip of the other. That's a big angel. Um, Cherubim also have four wings, not only two wings. There's some cherubs that have Four wings. And are described in the vision to Ezekiel. Listen to Ezekiel 1, 5 through 6. Also from within came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each had four wings. So you have cherubs that have two wings. And you have cherubs that have four wings. Having the face of a lion, a man, an ox, and an eagle, he describes Thus were their faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies, Ezekiel one eleven. Ezekiel one twenty three says, And under the firmament their wings spread out straight, one towards another, each one had two wings, covered the side, and each one had two wings, covered the other side of the body. This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Chebar, and I knew they were cherubim. Ezekiel ten twenty. Same vision he had in chapter one, as well as chapter ten. Lucifer is called a cherub. Ezekiel twenty eight fourteen. Yet you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. So Satan, Lucifer, the devil was a cherub. Then there are seraphim. Seraphim again, this class of angels found only in the book of Isaiah. In the Deer's The king Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two they flew. Interesting, Isaiah 6, 1 through 2. Seraphim are an order of angels that have six wings now. With two again, they cover their face, two their feet, and two they fly. Once again, we see the I am for plural, seraphim. Sarah meaning singular. Their name means burning ones. Isaiah heard and saw with clear understanding their worship of God. Listen to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. And one cried to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven of the angels. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. The pity of worship by the angels in heaven. The seraphim seemed to be related to the worship of God and his holiness repeated three times Holy, holy, holy. Interesting the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's coincidence. Throughout the scriptures we read holy holy. We never read holy holy but holy 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 three times. We never read it four times, five times. But we do read it three times. The seraphim declare that the entire earth is full of his glory. Listen to John 12:41. The vision seen by Isaiah is interpreted for us by John in John 12:41. And John says that Isaiah saw Jesus, quoting verse nine of Isaiah. So John gives us a commentary on who it was that Isaiah saw, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Interesting. The mediator of God, uses to purify Isaiah's lips, was an angel, a seraph, who dwelt in the presence of God. The seraph flew and he took a live coal with the tongue from the altar of God in heaven. The tabernacle was a pattern of the throne of God in heaven. The incense altar stood before the veil, the Holy of Holies, Exodus 30, verse 7, as you see in the vision. And John saw that it represented the prayers of the saints in Revelation 5, 8, the incense going up. Then there are also archangels. The term appears twice in the Bible. Um, when the Lord returns for, for his saints, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The archangel. When Moses' body was being disputed about, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed with the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Jude verse nine. Michael is the only one who is directly called an archangel. He's the only one. The term archangel means chief of the angels. Michael has his own angels under his command, Revelation twelve seven tells us. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought Michael is called the prince of the people of Israel the chief and the great prince in Daniel 10:13 21 12:1 many believe that perhaps gabriel is also an archangel but it is never stated he is an angel that has a big mouth of good news. He's always sharing good stuff. But it's speculation. Michael's the only one that's called an archangel. Daniel said this. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli. Who called and said, Gabriel. Make this man understand the vision. Daniel eight sixteen. 16. So Gabriel is the, the angel that God's always using to reveal things. Daniel tells us again in Daniel 9.21, Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision in the beginning, being uh, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the same time of the evening oblation or offering in Daniel 9.21. Gabriel was sent to Zacharias regarding the birth of John the Baptist, as you know. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and, and was sent to speak to you and bring to you glad tithings, Luke one nineteen. Gabriel was also sent to Mary, the cousin of Elizabeth. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, Luke one twenty six. Some even believe that perhaps... At one time, Lucifer was an archangel, the three corresponding to the Trinity. But again, this is sheer speculation. Michael is the only one that's called an archangel. Paul said to the men on the ship, if you remember, in Acts 27, 23-24, For there stood by me this night an angel of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. God sent an angel to deliver Paul and to encourage him that he was going to be okay. The ship was not going to take anybody's life. He was going to get to Rome. Wow. So this is what the Bible teaches About the various classes of angels. Now, I did this purposely. I've taught the book of Ephesians in depth three times in the 36 years I've been your pastor. I've never done this because this is the last time I'm probably going to do it. I was 30 when I began to be your pastor. I'm 66. I doubt if I'll be around for the next time. Now we will better understand the fallen angels in their spiritual warfare against us, having looked at the faithful and good angels that are ministering spirits to the earth of salvation, the three full lens of the origin of angels, the nature of angels, and the various classes of angels. now we 're just going to flip the coin next time you 've got your foundation. But these guys are bad guys. They wear the black hat. These guys wear the white hat. There was a time in our our nation when that's the way everything was portrayed. And the good guys always won. That's why I believe movies like Captain America and all these are so popular. Because there are no heroes today. They still declare right and wrong and the good guys still win let me tell you god wins at the end and so do we father thank you for your grace your love and your goodness we love you we thank you thank you for tonight and thank you for your word that lord we can read it believe it and stand on it knowing lord that it is absolute truth So help us to be aware that we cannot see the angelic forces around us that are there to aid us and to do your bidding. That we are very confident, not in ourselves, Lord, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, dominions of darkness and wicked places, Lord. And so our trust is in you and those angels that you will allow to do your bidding. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, if you believe that he did that because he is God who became man, and that he rose from the dead to verify all that, and that he alone can forgive you, then you can call upon him right now. Right where you sit, here or maybe over the internet, if you believe what I just said, then the Bible says you can call on the name of the Lord to be saved. It is God's mercy and grace that he gives you faith to believe. But he will not force you to believe. You must take that step of faith and trust him. And he's never disappointed anybody. If you want to be born again, have your sins forgiven. This is your prayer to him, right where you are right now, whether you're over the internet or the radio or here. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord.